Technology, and particularly the technology that we have today, is a technology that has the opportunity to connect us, but much more frequently is being used to disconnect us. And so technology of last century, airplanes, telephones, were technologies that actually connected people. You could get on a plane and go and visit somebody. You could actually pick up the phone and talk to somebody. A car, you could get in a car and go and visit somebody. The technologies we have today are technologies that feed into the very common psychological defense mechanisms that we all have of numbing ourselves, of keeping ourselves distracted from our lives. And we've been doing it long before there were smartphones. But smartphones have given us a way to do it and seem justified. Drowning yourself or numbing yourself through alcohol, through drugs, through gambling, through indiscriminate sex, through all of these things is, is seen and noticed by people as a problem. It's hard to keep it private. It's hard to keep it a secret. There's an element of shame. There's an element of, I know I'm doing something wrong. The dilemma with today is, there's actually a lot of prestige that goes along with it. Look how busy I am. Look how productive I am. My ability to sit with you and send an SMS or post something on my social media at the same time, instead of being seen as just an absurdity, is seen actually as, oh, wow, that's, that's really great. You know, God, isn't she so busy? You know, and look. So the problem is, it's an epidemic that is spreading, but it's spreading under the guise of development and improvement. And this is, this is really the dilemma. You know, if you, if you wake up in the morning and you take your temperature and the thermometer says 102, and you ask everyone, what's your temperature? And they all say 98.6. You're going to realize you have a fever and that there is a problem and you'll go to a doctor and you'll get treated. Or at least you'll stay home and you'll take care of yourself. But if you ask around and everyone says 102, well, the infection is still ravaging your body. But you're much less likely to seek any help because that's normal. And in the same way, if I find myself not wanting to look at you and just wanting to, you know, look at my, my device all day long, if everybody I know is having normal conversations and actually looking in each other's eyes, I'm going to have that same shame as if I order my 10th vodka at dinner. 
I'm going to look around and just kind of make sure that nobody notices that I'm on my 10th vodka because I'm going to understand that that's, you know, not really such a good thing to do. But if everybody around me is doing it, I'm going to think this is okay. And so if I'm sitting at a table in which nobody's looking at each other because we're all, I'm not going to realize there's a problem. And so as you've asked, how do we help people? Well, first we have to help ourselves. And it takes, it takes incredible willpower. The, the 12 step programs of helping people overcome addictions to alcohol, to drugs, to gambling are rooted in not drinking, not using, not gambling. But it's very, very difficult these days to say, I'm off technology. On some level, unless you're, either unless you've got, you know, 10 secretaries who do everything for you and just walk with you all the time, like, but, or if you're prepared to be completely disconnected from much of how the world functions, on some level, you have to utilize these tools. And ironically, they're actually also great tools because they actually can connect us. So for example, here we are sitting in this beautiful room on the banks of Ganga. Those of us who are being, who are blessed enough to be here on this date. And we're being joined by people all over the world who are not blessed enough to be physically here at this moment. But this incredible camera in front of me has got the power to bring people from all over the world into being able to join satsang, being able to do arti with us. So people go home and they feel, God, I'm going to miss this arti so much. Well, okay, the good news is, guess what? You can actually stay connected. You can actually watch that. So it's not an inherent problem. The problem becomes when we allow it to to hijack, really, our, our own internal defense mechanism anyway of wanting to be distracted, of wanting to numb myself. And I allow it to take me. So the first thing we do is we manage ourselves, which is we, we ensure that whatever technology we're using, we use it purposefully. And so, sure, get online, send emails, read emails. It's a fantastic form of communication. Send text messages, send this, whatever it may be. Go on social media, share good news with your friends, respond to your friends' good news. But do it purposely. What tends to happen is we do it mindlessly. You go on to share one thing or to check one thing. And half an hour later, 40 minutes later, you're watching some guy you don't even know's cat dance around the living room in like Halloween costumes. <laughs> and you think, I don't even know this guy. I don't even like cats. 
why am I watching this? And it's an incredible, incredible thing to realize how, how technology grabs the unconscious part of us. Now, it doesn't happen accidentally, and it's not our fault. It's actually, there's lots of people who are very, very smart, who are being paid lots of money, doing all sorts of mathematical calculations to figure out how to make sure that you are watching videos of animals you don't even like, posted by people you don't even know, in places of the world you've never been, do things that you're not even interested in. But we have power also. And so the, the point and the way to do this is the same way we do everything, which is consciously. Consciously. I'm going to go on, I'm going to post one thing, and then I'm coming off. And make sure you do. And if you find that you end up watching random cat videos or baby videos of people you don't even know, set an alarm. Set a program. There are all kinds of programs that you can get that literally limit your time online, that shut you off, or that buzz and beep or whatever. So first we manage ourselves. In terms of helping others, if those others are our children, it's much easier then you get to manage them the same way that parents have managed children forever, which is you make rules, you set rules, you enforce them, your children kick and scream and say, I hate you, you're the worst mom and dad ever, and, but my friends get to, and my next door neighbor gets to, and why don't you? And, but kids have been doing this forever, and parents need to be strong, as parents have always been strong, and say the same things parents have always said, which is, I don't care what they get to do. You're not going to sleep with your phone. I don't care what they get to do. No, you can't have your iPad at dinner. I don't care what they get to do. No, you don't get this account at this age. So we have to be strong. But another very, very important aspect, both for ourselves as well as for our children, is we must get ourselves in nature. Because what technology does, especially this visual technology on our phones, on our computers, on our iPads, is it literally, it changes our brains. The visual input that goes in through our eyes, the sensory input, is changing our brains. The speed at which it comes in, the speed at which we respond, our brains are changing accordingly. And that's not even to talk about you know, electromagnetic frequency and whatnot. I'm not even going to go there. But just, just the actual stimuli is actually changing our brain. It's not damaging it, it's not, but it's changing it. And it's changing it to the speed at which video games are played, if you're a video game player. 
it's changing it to the speed at which TV commercials go. If you watch TV and the commercials, which since they're buying a 30-second slot, are very, very, very fast. And so our brains change. Our reward mechanism changes. Typically in life, rewards don't come as quickly as likes and comments come on something you post. The world just tends not to reward us that fast for things that are that small. And this is, you go to school, and you go to school for years, and you study for weeks and months, and you take an exam, and a week later you get the result, and you know six months of studying has paid off, you've done well. Here, if within 10, 15 minutes of posting something, I don't get whatever I think I should be getting, the reward mechanism in my brain goes crazy. Something's wrong. Oh my God. And we start, to, we start to doubt. We start to feel bad. I have to post something different. What's the problem? I mean, we really start to panic. And this is why we have to get back in nature. Because nature resets our brains better than anything else in the world. But we have to be in nature physically. So we have to literally get our hands in dirt. We have to have bare feet in dirt. Bare feet in water. Bare feet in sand. Wherever you live, whatever it may be. But make sure that you're spending, and it doesn't have to be hours, but 10 minutes a day. If it's kids, do it. Take them to the park after school. Make sure that they've got time. They're playing in the sand. They're playing in the grass. They're climbing trees. Not just because it's good for their bodies, the exercise and the fresh air and the sun and whatnot, but literally what it's doing to their brains and to our brains is essential. So we have to counteract it. We cannot, unfortunately, rewind life and go backwards. I don't know whether it would be a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, it's irrelevant because we can't do it anyway. I am personally very, very glad that I made it through my teenage years and my early 20s before we had smartphones. It's, it's something I'm deeply grateful for. I'm deeply grateful that I did not have to manage adolescence while also managing a Facebook account. Um, I, I can only deeply sympathize with what youth of today are going through because being young is hard enough. Managing one identity is hard enough. Having to manage an identity and curate an identity is something I am so glad I didn't have to do. But as adults, as people in the world, regardless of what our sphere in the world may be, this is now where we are. The beeps, the bings, the buzzes. The... But we also have control. Again, still, we've got the free will. Just because I have a device doesn't mean there's not an alternative. That device has an off button. The device has a silent button. The device has all sorts of settings of notifications. All sorts of choices we get to make. 
And I actually think that it's, it's a fantastic, I mean, assuming that you're not the employer of a really OC, I mean, the employee of a really OCD boss, I actually think it's a really good habit for people to have to wait a little while before they get a response to something, unless it's, unless it's some kind of like a very, very time sensitive, urgent thing. We've gotten ourselves into this situation of sort of expecting that regardless of what the other person is doing in the moment, they should respond to my bing. You send someone a message, and if in 10 minutes they don't respond, it's like, hey, didn't you see my message? Well, sorry, I was in the shower. Sorry, I was, you know, having time with my family. Sorry, I was reading a book. Sorry, I was having a meal. You know, whatever it may be, but we are really expected to, to just be on all the time. And I don't think that's good for anybody. It's not good for your productivity at work. They've done all kinds of studies of productivity, all kinds of studies of effectiveness and efficiency. And actually being constantly distracted, even if you think you're being efficient, because, oh my god, look, I responded to this text message as soon as it came. The amount of time it takes you to get back to what you were doing is so much that you actually end up really losing efficiency. And so we have to learn to manage this like we manage everything, consciously. Just because it beeps doesn't mean I have to look at it immediately. And if I'm in the middle of doing something, and that thing, whatever I'm doing, requires attention and focus and creativity, well, turn the thing off or turn it on silent or turn off notifications. They've also done, done great studies of people's ability to pay attention. And actually, if you're doing anything that requires any level of deep thinking, whether it's something creative, whether you are solving a problem, I mean, so whether you're creating art, music, poetry, anything, photography, videos, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're doing it on a computer or with a paintbrush, either way, if you're doing anything creative, or if you're doing anything that requires problem-solving ability, even you're working with math, you're working with science, whatever you may be doing, your ability to do it is really contingent upon how well you're able to focus. And if every two minutes you are being distracted by some notification that you got an email or a beep or a buzz or something, you're actually going to be much less effective. And so this is just a new tool. It's a new technique. And we just need to learn how to, how to manage it. I remember being at my, my grandparents' house for Thanksgiving when I was growing up. And my grandfather was very, very forward-thinking in many ways and very traditional in other ways. And I was a, you know, a pre-teenager. And so for me, the phone was everything. Like, in the evenings, I wasn't allowed to talk on the phone until after dinner, but I had whatever it was I was allowed on the phone to talk to friends. And that was, you know, you're 10, you're 11, you're 12. That's, that's 
the most important thing in the world is, is the phone. And oh my God, who could be on the phone? Somebody's calling me. And we'd go to my grandparents' house for Thanksgiving. And I vividly remember the phone would ring. The family would be sitting around and the phone would ring. And my grandfather wouldn't answer it. And I, you know, the, the preteen in me would, even though obviously the phone wasn't for me, I mean, no one was calling me in New York at my grandparents' house, but that response in me would start to go, of, oh my God, it's the phone, it's the phone, answer the phone. And I'd say to my grandfather, Grandpa, aren't you going to answer the phone? And his answer has stuck with me 35, almost 40 years later. He used to say, if I wanted to talk to whoever it was, I would have called them. <laughs> and while, while it certainly rings also of a different aspect of his personality, which isn't necessarily something that everyone wants to inculcate, it, it really brings home the concept of control. We have control. Just because it rings doesn't mean you have to answer it. Just because it beeps doesn't mean you have to look at it. And while I certainly wouldn't want to go you know, to that extreme because you want to be available for people, we need to bring back the control in our lives. It's not that this tool came in and suddenly we become a slave to it. The whole point of spiritual practice, as those of you who come frequently will know, I say a lot, is freedom. Whether it's freedom from the mind, freedom from the ego, or freedom from the beeps and dings and pulls of our devices. It's freedom. So use it. Use it as a tool like any other tool. But you would never become a slave to your hammer You'd never wake up in the night and say, oh my God, that hammer is just dying to, you know, hammer a nail into the wall. I have to go do it. My screwdriver is just dying to, you know, unscrew something. I have to go do it. No, I'll talk to you later. I've got to go unscrew something. We understand these, these tools are there for when I need them. So is, so is technology. So use it like that and make sure that you're not using it as a way to distance and disconnect and numb yourself because whether it's that or alcohol, it's not quite just as damaging on a physical level, but almost just as damaging emotionally.